Uh, welcome back to the horrors. Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Shay. Here we are, another episode. Back again. We love it. Today we are finally doing a movie that we have had requested a couple times. I was about to say I don't even think we need a work up to this one because no. y'all know what this is. It is teeth. We talking teeth today. Um, I feel really excited because this is one that we have, I think, known from the beginning at some point we were going to hit, and it's finally here. She was inevitable. Yeah, she was. And it was nothing like I expected it to be. I wasn't expecting it to be as funny as it was. Same. I thought it was going to be a lot more gory, dark. I didn't realize there was going to be so much fun comedy in it. I mean, of course, still very dark. You know, all horror comedy things are dark in nature, but I don't know. I laughed out loud a couple times. LOL. (laughs) It was so interesting because I was reading an article that was talking to the producer of this movie, who I believe is a woman, and this was written and directed by a man, which some people have, you know, obviously some opinions about. But in terms of marketing this movie... There was actually some similarities between this situation and the Jennifer's Body situation because this Vice article I was reading said that a lot of people don't think that going into this movie, it's a horror comedy, specifically due to the artwork. Like the Hmm. artwork of the movie is the main actress up to her chin in this like milky bath water with like, you know, roses at the bottom and teeth in like red against the black and whatnot. But I need you to look up what this alternative artwork was going to be. It essentially looked a lot more like a romantic comedy almost, where instead of our main girl, Dawn, being submerged and looking very serious in this milky bathwater, looking very haunted, it's literally like her with like a sticker over her vagina and like looking all cutesy in a yellow t-shirt that says what? What does it say? Warning, sex changes everything. But it looks a lot more quirky, doesn't it? Does. It does. I can see the difference right now. Yeah, I mean, you can look at this and definitely tell that there is much more comedy to be expected as opposed to the very dramatic artwork of the, you know, white against black, high contrast, submerged in bubble bath, almost sort of looking like a little bit like a sea creature. Yeah, almost like a crocodile, uh, like a Yeah, bug. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think honestly going into it thinking the worst and then getting what we got, we laughed a lot. So here we are. Let's talk about it. Let's jump right into it. How's it open? We start with some classic establishing shots of treetops. <laughs> I Literally the third week in a row. Yeah, so many trees lately. And we also get something a little bit different, which is a slow pan across and we see some like a nuclear power plant. Yeah, a lot of big towers just emitting grayish, whitish smoke, and it's set right behind the front yard of the main character that we're going to be following through the rest of the movie. But you can tell just based on the lighting that this is meant to be like a prequel or a flashback. There are two children hanging out in a kiddie pool while their parents are on looking. Through conversation, you get the idea that these parents are newly dating and are each coming along with a child of their own. So we have an older stepbrother who appears to be eight-ish, nine-ish, and then a younger stepsister who appears to be more of like a four or five-ish. And they're sitting in the pool back towards the parents, and we can tell that the older brother is a little bit of a dick. (laughs) 
But, you know, he's a little kid, maybe too soon to make any judgments. And as their parents are distracted, sort of talking about their love for one another, I suppose, we hear the little brother say, let's see yours now. So we kind of get the indication that perhaps he pulled down his bathing suit and kind of flashed himself to his soon-to-be stepsister. And she does the same, we can assume, based on the staging. And all of a sudden, he screams in pain. So the parents rush over, and we see that his fingertip has been bitten. It's bleeding. It looks um, like a really serious wound, and no one's really sure what happened. And then we cut to present day. Right. And the people we were watching with, one of them said, like, casual assault. Okay. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. we're opening with that of, obviously, the older brother, whether it be through malintent or curiosity gone wrong, that was something I turned to Elise and was like, are we supposed to hate him? But then in, in later scenes, yeah, we are. We are supposed to hate him. He does have some characterization in that scene farther where he, you know, he's swearing at his dad, but he's only eight years old. We really do get the hint that he's pretty antagonistic. Not necessarily a child who's more curious, but more, you know, somebody who's starting to grow up and sort of develop these bad intentions, you know, just through the staging that we see there. So we jump forward at least 10 years, maybe a little bit more. But now we are at the promise talk and we see our main character, Don O'Keefe, which is just very funny because all I could think about was Queef knowing that this movie's about a vagina. <laughs> And Dawn is played by Jess Wexler. So she's known for a recurring role in The Good Wife. And she also played a small role in It Chapter 2. And she's in a bunch of other things, but that was the more um, horror-related stuff. Dawn is addressing a crowd of people and sort of talking about how there is the most precious gift of all and... It's not a special gift if you give it away to people. It's something you only want to give to one person. And slowly, you know, through the context clues, we're getting the hint that she's talking about your virginity. You know, whatever sexual relationship you have should only be reserved for a married relationship between a man and woman. And, you know, the audience is cheering. We can tell... Dawn is in her zone. We see pictures like posters around of this red purity ring. She has one on her finger as well. Very sort of culty, but you know, this is what Dawn is into. And yes, she's, she's pure. <laughs> yeah, purity comes up a lot. And you can tell the movie isn't taking this seriously. Like, we're not meant to be sympathetic to Dawn's vow to abstinence you know when she says something she gets a lot of like chanting and, and reprisal and it <laughs> seems yes elise said it it seems very cult-like it mm -hmm. seems very strange especially due to some of the other characters that surround on where you really see that she is in the minority of her high school and her peers but while she is at this talk she makes eyes with toby cobb and we have music that swells up in the background. We have kind of like a slow motion blink going on as they continue to stare at each other. It is a storybook, love at first sight looking situation. It's very comical. They might not be fucking, but they're eye fucking. And his name is Toby Cobb. Toby Cobb. Which makes me laugh. Which also, I'm sort of thinking now about these names because we talked about Don O'Keefe Sounds like Queef. Also, Georgia O'Keefe is a very famous painter who depicts very close-up images of flowers that look like vaginas. 
so interesting but also toby cobb cobb is like corn cobb is kind of phallic looking i don't know now i'm just like thinking really a lot about well, that's this exactly what i thought too see I- i'm always the last one to the dick party <laughs> <laughs> but i have arrived when did i arrive at a dick party before you arrived i know <laughs> how does that happen <laughs> so ironic <laughs> but toby is characterized almost like i wrote down like colin from jennifer's body like he's oh, yeah. wearing he's got the long shaggy hair he's got the striped sweater on but he's not the steampunk boy of my dreams in middle school he is the sunday school baddie mm, yes he's a cutie he's a cutie Yes. So then she is introduced to Toby by two of her friends from the abstinence or chastity club who had met him at a Bible school in the summer or something like that. And it's apparent that he's going to be joining them at school. But we go home and we see that the step parents from beginning did indeed stay together. So we're assuming that Dawn is the little girl from the beginning of the scene and their mom is sick presumably from the radiation or yeah there's a lot of implications about this nuclear power plant which i don't know are entirely accurate right but yeah we're not really sure where exactly the origin of her illness has come from but it seems like it is a maybe a cancer situation it's a recurring illness because we do get the sense she's sick again they're having this nice moment where stepdad and mom are supporting Dawn in her talks and talking about some of the other things that she's going to be doing, giving like tours to other schools, talking about abstinence, where you hear some heavy metal blaring in the background. And this is presumably the pervy step bro whose name is Brad, because of course it is. <laughs> Even to the point where she's in the bathroom later on and he stays in the shower longer than he has to to like scare her. And that's how he frames it. But you could tell that he was definitely hoping that she was going to step into the shower, you know, unclothed and join him in there. It's one of those misty glass screens where, you know, we can see him from the inside, but it's not apparent because Mm -hmm. of the lighting and whatnot. But instead, he jumps out of the shower and says, I got you, bitch. (laughs) And um, we see that he has a lot of bad tattoos and really bad sideburns. And he just looks like, what did somebody say? He looks like the grown-up version of Sid from Toy Story. Yes. (laughs) Yes. A very good description. So that scene is over pretty quickly. And we fast forward to the next day. It's the first day of school. And we are shown Dawn as she is walking into the building. Immediately, she is teased by her classmates for being very virginal, for being a prude. She pushes past it. You know, she has a very righteous air about her. She doesn't seem too bothered by it. We also see a fellow to the side. We don't know his name yet. His name is Ryan. Yes. Okay, Ryan. He wants to flirt with her, but ends up in the heat of all of the bullying, sort of getting knocked down and doesn't get to kind of make his move. We can see that he does, you know, he seems to be interested in Dawn. But yeah, she makes it into the building and the next scene we're seen in a sex ed classroom. First day of school. Let's talk about the fucking male and female anatomy. So... She looks like a fish out of water. She's wearing a skirt down to her knees. She's wearing a shirt. (laughs) With leggings underneath it. With leggings underneath. (laughs) She's wearing a shirt that says, love can wait. 
or something. Yeah. Or love always waits or love is worth waiting for. Yes, yes, yes. Something like that. It's that one. And she's in sex ed, but instead of paying attention to the diagram of the penis that everyone's talking about, (laughs) she is sketching wedding dresses. So Mm -hmm. you can tell in her mind there is no association between sexuality for sexuality's sake. It is strictly something that she believes needs to wait until marriage. After the class is done discussing the male anatomy, the page is turned and it's quickly discovered that the diagram of the female anatomy in the textbook is covered with a gigantic sticker in every single copy. So you can't see anything on the diagram at all. So people will start protesting, like, why can't we see the vulva? The penis was shown. Why can't we look at the vagina? And this is where Dawn perks up. Girls just have a natural modesty. (laughs) And everyone's like, oh, this is tough. But the teacher does end up saying the school board decided it was inappropriate to show the female anatomy. Although her other classmates are accosting her, Toby is in this class and on looking with pride and a great interest is brewing. Mm -hmm. So Toby, Dawn, and her two little friends after school go to a movie and there is a silly exchange as to whether they can go see a PG-13 movie because Dawn's like, well, you know there's at least going to be heavy making out there. (laughs) So then by the sound design, you can tell that they end up going and watching a child's movie, like (laughs) a cartoon or something. And this is where I wrote down when is this? Where is this? And how are there so many hardcore anti-sex teens in this high school? <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe you just have to be in the right circle of people. I don't know. I'm not shaming anybody who right. chooses to partake in abstinence or, you know, has their sexuality on their own terms. That's not what it is at all. It's also just the fact that this movie is making fun of this subpopulation to such an extreme that they are infantilizing themselves by watching Mm -hmm. cartoons and the other couple in the movie theater kiss on the lips and it seems like it's like this big thing and everyone's kind of like disgusted and it's just kind of, it's funny, it's played Mm -hmm. for gags, but uh, it's just like, I can't identify these people in my school. You know I, I also mean? think that the piece of this movie that makes these teens choosing abstinence able to be more comical is that there is a lack of education here. Like, it doesn't seem like we're seeing a bunch of empowered teens who are making educated choices as to what's best for them and what they would prefer. You know, that scene right in the beginning of the movie, you know, the female anatomy being covered by this gigantic shiny sticker tells us, you know, that there are uninformed decisions being made or or based off of what they think they should be doing or based off of stereotyping or things like that. So I think that that lack of education is made abundantly clear in the beginning. And I think that that is a common thread that we see throughout the rest of the movie. I also just thought the sticker in terms of if we were to describe it almost looks like a gold star. Oh, yeah. So it also brings me back to, you know, friends of mine I know that have gone through like, say, Catholic education and the punitive um, Mm -hmm. connotations between like a demerit and a gold star and knowing that those schools tend to teach abstinence only sex education Mm -hmm. where she obviously is not in a scenario like that. She is in a public school setting. And now that I think about it, a lot of her talk about abstinence or purity doesn't seem to overtly stem from a religious place. Do you disagree? No, it doesn't. But in my head, 
like based on my own experience in school, where she is when she's delivering this talk kind of just reminds me of like youth group, like right. some kind of youth group and like the way that it's like this purity ring. It is like a literal group. Right, right, right. I remember when I was in junior high, like somebody came in and talked to our health class about abstinence. And it was a very similar conversation to what Dawn was talking about in her talk at the beginning of the movie. It was very much like, you can only have sex with somebody for the first time. I remember this woman telling us how her and her husband waited until marriage and it was so beautiful and they were both shaking. And and of course, you know, how old were we? We were in the eighth grade. So all of us were kind of like, what the heck? But yeah, I mean, this is something that that happens, still happens. And it, to me, that conversation that she was having with her peers, I guess that's the difference. In our case, we had like an older woman coming in and kind of talking to us about her experience. You know, she didn't say anything outlandish, which I think is a little bit interesting. Like, even though it is funny and there's being fun poked at this sort of stereotype, it doesn't seem that far-fetched to me, except the way that the group is kind of made to look a little bit more like a cult than I think a lot of those organizations really would. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, too, is like some of the things I read about this movie in terms of what this is, they kind of called it like an updated carry because oh. you find like a bookish religious mm-hmm. girl kind of coming into her sexuality and like becoming this monster or kind of becoming this destructive force once her puberty or sexuality has been actualized. But I think that the movie does a good job like not making Dawn seem like a Carrie because Carrie, mm-hmm. she's characterized to be unattractive, to be mm-hmm. bookish, not coded as attractive. But I would say Dawn is desirable. Like, um, yeah, t- there are many a fellow, many a fellas, many who show interest in her, at least four or five in just the, an hour and a half, <laughs> just an hour and a half film. We got we got men lining up or boys, boys lining up. So after the movie scene, we go back to Brad He is examining the scar that he has from the bite or the incident, which Mm -hmm. we come to find is a bite from his childhood, and he sucks on it for comfort, which is a little creepy. Mm -hmm. He said that he doesn't remember how he got it. He knows that his sister gave it to him, but he doesn't remember exactly how it happened, and he is talking to his not-girlfriend. Melanie. Yes, Melanie who you can tell likes him a lot more than he likes her. And I read this on the Wikipedia because I don't think that we noticed this. They have sex all over this movie, like all the time, but they only have anal sex. He will not have vaginal sex with her. (gasps) I think he remembers. He kind of has that look on his face when he's talking about the bite where he says, my sister like bit me, but like he has a look in his face that he is choosing not to tell the rest of what he remembers. Yeah, if it's not obvious, Brad is still lusting after his stepsister, and he's really gross about it. But based on some of the dialogue that comes out later in the film of like what counts as sex and what doesn't count as sex... Mm -hmm. He is almost taking this vow of abstinence. And I've heard about this in like looser Christian circles where it's Mm -hmm. like you can do everything except the home run or you can Mm -hmm. do everything up into you know wee wee go into pee pee whatever (laughs) and whatever (laughs) whatever terms they use in sunday school i don't know (laughs) but like i've met both types where it's like 
none at all, or I'm going to do pretty much everything except, or I'm going to do everything and beyond and then just become born again and then do whatever, right? So you could tell that even though he doesn't hold the same values as Don does, he's still preserving something and he's giving value to that preservation. Very interesting. So next scene, we have another tree establishing shot. This time it's a very phallic looking vagina tree, which also Georgia O'Keeffe. Yeah. Very interesting. We see that Dawn is on a hike with Toby Cobb and some of her other friends in the woods. And during this time, there's scenes stitching between, you know, what Dawn is doing with Toby and her friends in the woods and also back to Brad and Melanie in the bedroom. And we have this really kind of disturbing scene where Brad tries to feed Melanie a dog treat kind of like presses it up to her face and i think she's against the wall so she can't really move her head back she eventually like opens her mouth to say stop but when she does that he shoves the dog treat in her mouth just very degrading obviously you can tell she's very uncomfortable throughout the entirety of that interesting that it's kind of stitched with this scene where back to don and toby he's saying i'm a virgin in his eyes so toby is kind of confiding in don that he has had sex before but he regrets it he has chosen this abstinence and she's telling him oh you're probably stronger now you know the dangerous firsthand which i think is a is a really interesting piece of dialogue you know the dangerous firsthand because there really are dangers and in, in her case and it makes me sort of wonder like Looking back to that diagram in the health class scene that's covered up, would that have been an opportunity for her to kind of learn a little bit more about her anatomy that was missed? Like, to me, this movie kind of establishes itself as sort of a cautionary tale against withholding education really early on. And this is just another example of that, you know, not being able to know about your body. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Does she think everybody has teeth? Uh Uh-huh. What does she think? But you can tell that she has some awareness that something's not exactly right because later on that night, she is in bed. You can tell that she's thinking about Toby and she very intentionally slowly pulls the sheets down from like over her breasts down past Mm, her knees. mm -hmm. She's thinking about Toby in a wedding tux (laughs) and then Toby shirtless and then Toby on top of her on their wedding night. So she's providing herself the fantasy that she needs to masturbate. But while she is doing all of these things, she is maybe about to finish or maybe about to finger herself. And the screen flashes to a scene of a gooey sea monster with teeth. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Obviously kind of meant to insinuate, you know, a vagina and she just covers right back up and it's like, purity, purity, yeah. purity. <laughs> I mean, it's very, she very clearly starts feeling guilt. I don't really even think she gets the chance to really get going beyond just kind of like lightly touching her body before she can kind of get down to business. But another example of, you know, a missed opportunity to learn about your body. It reminded me a little bit of the big mouth scene. where Jessie tries to masturbate for the first time and her vagina's talking to her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, what you doing, girl? What are you doing? (laughs) But uh, um, Big Mouth is a great sex ed show for Uh teens, tweens, and adults. I don't know. It's so funny and it makes it so approachable. But it reminded me of that. Like, I just kind of wanted, like, a hormone monster to come busting out the closet and be like, like, hey, girl. Hey, girl. Let's talk about what's going on. Let's talk about what's going on down there. 
We flash to the next day. They are in class, presumably a biology class, where they are talking about rattlesnakes, otherwise known as biting dicks. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're, dicks with, they're dicks with teeth. Yeah. But as we know, always what they're talking about in the classroom ends up becoming important later on. They are talking about evolution and more importantly, adaptation and mutation. So the teacher starts going on about how over time species adapt to protect themselves and form mutations so that they have a better chance at survival. And someone asks, like, well, how do mutations start? And she says something along the lines of, some are born just extremely beneficial to its survival, and then they can pass that on. And then mm. that's when Dawn enters the class late, and the teacher very pointedly says to her, like, this is really important to you. Mm-hmm. So you can tell that perhaps that Dawn is carrying a mutation that is beneficial to her survival. Mm-hmm. But... When she is late to class, Toby tries to get her to sit next to him and she walks right by him. You can tell that after her little fantasy the night before, she is trying her best to distance herself from him because she is finding it hard to resist temptation. And the next scene, Dawn, the previous night, had heard Brad and Melanie having a fight. So in the scene, she goes into Brad's room and kind of tries to confront him about his fight with Melanie. And I think just to say, like, you should maybe stop seeing her or maybe try to focus on more pure, holistic ways of living. But he does not respond to that. He says at one point, why don't you sit that pretty ass down? Says some pretty inappropriate things, stepbrother to stepsister. And she ends up storming out of the room, just obviously not able to get through to him in the way that she would have liked. Yeah, he says something along the lines of there's no me in any bitch, which is funny because he has a Rottweiler named Mother. Yeah, what the fuck? I think he's got a lot of mommy issues because that comes up kind of later in the movie where he just resents his stepmother and he Mm -hmm. has actions that are consistent with that. And the fact that you name your Rottweiler mother and, you know, a female dog is a bitch, you know, Mm, it's just kind of like, haha. But yeah, when they were fighting, when she was overhearing the fighting, he responds with, did it turn you on? And says something along the lines of, we all know who you've been saving yourself for, and I've been real patient. (laughs) He is so, so skeevy. Awful. So next scene, right? She calls Toby. Yeah, she calls Toby. They had previously decided that maybe they shouldn't see each other anymore because they are both super tempted. They were so in sync with one another, she says. But she ends up calling him and is like, I want to see you. So they meet up in the woods by this body of water that previously they talk about as a place where people go to make out. So they're back in the woods at this spot. They go swimming and they end up making it to this little cave situation behind a waterfall and they start making out. He is in his undies and she mm-hmm. is in like, what did you say? Like a black swan one piece. Almost? Oh, yeah, that's right. She was wearing a, yeah, a black one piece, but it looked more like a ballerina leotard. It was just, it had like some frills towards the waist. It was, I, it was pretty sexy for a one piece, in my opinion. They're frolicking the water. They end up kissing near a rope swing. And I noticed that while they were kissing each other, like their hands kept moving like up and down the rope a little bit. So oh. it looked like some like, obviously they're like in water and trying not to like sink in the water. Yeah. But it almost seemed like it was a little bit of stroking action going on. And Toby's like, well, this doesn't feel wrong at all. But you can tell that he's a lot more aggressive than she is because he goes for a tit grab and she stops him and says, purity. 
<laughs> and she swims away from the rope swing and under a waterfall where this cave where people go to do, you know, mm-hmm. is. But before she goes to swim away, I took note that after he tries to grab her breast, she dunks herself under the water and comes back up. So I'm like, she's like baptizing herself. Oh, so interesting. Yeah, like washing she's like, herself clean. She's washing herself clean of sin. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. So yeah, in the in the little cave behind the waterfall, they start making out again. And basically, yeah, Toby ends up raping her. She is saying, no, 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 no. He keeps pushing it forward, pushing it forward, eventually forces himself on her and even says, you'll still be pure in his eyes, which is very puzzling. Somebody we were watching with kind of noted, like, does that mean when he had lost his virginity before, if he was sexually taken advantage of and heard sort of the same logic? Like, if somebody forces you into something, that means that you wouldn't be held responsible mm-hmm. in the eyes of God for these actions or for the situation. And just very puzzled, twisted logic that he is kind of putting forth. And it seems like Dawn at first is fighting, is fighting, is fighting. And then we kind of see her almost as though she's maybe disassociating she seems like she kind of like lays back and he then, like knocks her out oh that's right yeah because she's trying to get up and he shoves her back down oh, and God. she hits her head on the back of a rock and becomes very dazed and he takes this as an invitation oh my god and he uh, even uh, says something along the lines of like i haven't even jerked off since easter yeah, so literally. he has this like level of entitlement mm-hmm. and she even like looks him in the face is like i am saying no mm-hmm. and he responds with this anger and obviously it doesn't go well but he rapes her until <laughs> we hear a very loud crunching noise And we see Toby's face in a stunned expression go very pale and he starts screaming. And that kind of brings Dawn back to she's like, what, what, what? What's wrong? What's wrong? Which is interesting. She was kind of like so eager to be like, what's wrong? Like, are you okay? What's going on? And he backs up and we see blood is spurting from where his penis used to be. He's screaming. She's screaming. We see his severed penis lying on the cave floor and he jumps into the water and swims away yeah and it's pretty realistic looking too like they show everything yeah they do it's probably one of the more gory scenes i read too that this movie only had like a two million dollar budget and it like barely made it back in the box office and i think probably most of it went toward like that level of gore Mm -hmm. and and all that kind of stuff and the spurting the spurting but i find it interesting i read something that noted that like they never need to show us the vagina dentata like they never need to show us her Mm -hmm. because honestly that's more scary but i also find it interesting that this movie was written and directed by a man and like it's almost like he's even scared to go there of like mm. like that fear of just like vaginas are scary like i'm going to put a sticker over them in the movie like it's obviously it's an artistic choice but uh-huh that is a really good point like what would that have looked like also like we kind of get the sense that the teeth are like retractable which i think is interesting you know what it would have looked like what it would have looked like the face in the faculty when elijah wood at the end <laughs> oh wow yeah probably yeah afterwards she walks home by herself she has her hoodie zipped up over her t-shirt that says 
sex changes everything. Yeah, that's the one that's in the in the almost promotion. cover art. Mm-hmm. But you can tell she has it zipped over now because obviously, like, it has changed mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> There's a little bit of dark comedy where her mom asks if she's hungry and she says, I ate, thanks. <laughs> See, like, that's the shit. I was not expecting shit like that. So funny. And it's accompanied by this choral music where you could tell it's very churchy, very ethereal. And it stops abruptly when she gets in the shower and like a knowing look on her face comes upon her and she kind of realizes that she was raped and she has to deal with this knowledge. And the next morning, she rips all of like the wedding inspo impurity stuff off of her wall while Brad sucks his finger in the next room. Yeah, he hears her sort of not pleased. And yes, self-soothes with his fucking finger. (laughs) So weird. So the next day, or like later that night, Dawn is supposed to speak again at her purity council. (laughs) I don't know if it's the council. Her purity council. And she is picked up by her friends. She goes, and actually, I think that this scene is a lot more culty than the previous scene oh it is which i think it was something you said earlier made me think i think that that's deliberate i think it's supposed to show that she she's falling out of it yes yeah it it doesn't feel as natural as it used to feel it's starting to feel like it doesn't quite make sense Mm -hmm. which is so interesting that's a great point yeah her youth pastor or, you know, whoever adult supervises these meetings kind of comes out and walks her off stage because she's clearly not really saying things that quite make sense for what she normally addresses with her audience. There's a lot of just weird dialogue as she's talking about it. You could tell she's heartbroken, really saying like, yesterday I could have talked about purity, but today there's something inside me that is lethal and they all whisper, the serpent. Yes. And then there's, quote, like, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like she's hearing the misogyny now. Like, mm-hmm. she's really hearing the, like, rape culture, victim blaming-ness when she's trying to talk through her own feelings because she wants to remain pure, but she's getting the response that she's not anymore. And she's dealing with a lot. Like, first of all, she's dealing with the assault, the rape, and then she's dealing with what that means in her mind based on her belief system. And then she's also dealing with the fact that her vagina bit off that boy's dick that she really, really liked a lot. Like, there's a lot. I would not like to be her in this moment. There's a lot going on in her head. Just a lot of, like, things that she was not having to deal with 24 hours ago that she now has to deal with. But after the talk, there is some sort of youth mixer that she's like supervising or something but this is where ryan shows up mr nice guy from the beginning mr mullet mr mullet and offers to drive her home he does he very shakenly asks her out on a date by like giving her his business card and she turns to him and says that's funny (laughs) ouch But, like, I also found it so interesting that, like, literally he's a guy that went to a purity meeting with her, was at the youth mixer, drove her home, asked her out on a proper date. Ideally, like, that is who she would have wanted three days ago in Mm, terms mm -hmm. of, like, that level of treatment. And now she's like, that's pathetic. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's funny. You can totally tell, like, is he, is it sweet? Is it endearing? Or is it just another example of a guy checking off the boxes of things he thinks he has to do before he's entitled to ask a girl out or before he's entitled to more of her company, right? Yep. Without her refusing. 
But yeah, at this point, I mean, Ryan doesn't seem so bad. He just kind of seems just like a dopey high school guy. Until he drives away and he's just like, that's funny. What's so fucking funny? And like turns his little like Jeep around. Yeah. Tries to like enter the house to talk to her. And Brad promptly punches him in the face and is like, you're out of your league, pussy boy. Get out of here. That was a good moment. I was like, good for you, Brad. I mean, obviously, we know his intentions are a little bit different because he himself wants to be with Dawn, but still kind of satisfying based on maybe how that scene could have gone. So at this time, Dawn is starting to act on some of the questions that she has started feeling stirring inside. She returns to the cave and sees a crab like eating the severed penis on the cave floor, kind of confirming that it was indeed real, that that did indeed happen, but also kind of a a funny moment where we have like a crab, I guess, alluding to the STI. But I didn't even know there were freshwater crabs. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) when this was happening, I was like, excuse me, are there freshwater crabs? That's what I was thinking about. (laughs) I I don't know the lineage of crabs and where they come from. (laughs) So after she sees the crab, she goes to the edge of the cliff and drops her purity ring <gasps> off the edge of the cliff. Oh, yes. She, you could tell that it pains her to take it off, but she, you can tell that she does not feel pure anymore. Mm-hmm. She removes the red ring and throws it into the water, and that is the end of her purity ring. And at this point, she goes home, removes one of the pages from her sex ed textbook, and submerges it in warm water so that the adhesive on the sticker would loosen. And she sees the diagram of the average vagina for the first time, a very sort of enlightening symbolic moment for her, I think, of the education that is to come. We also see her researching vagina dentata mythology for the first time, and she takes herself to the gynecologist. She's making a lot of really smart moves. She wants to be, you know, ask a professional some questions, see what's up. But wait, can we talk about the most metal line in this movie? What? Where she's researching the vagina dentata, and they're talking about, like, the urban legend, like, the myth, which we'll talk about a little bit Uh later. (laughs) But they call the vagina dentata or the myth around it a journey that every man makes back to the womb, the dark crucible that hatched him. Ew, it's crazy. So it's, I guess, talking about the idea of the womb trying to reclaim the part of a man. Mm. And the vagina dentata is the defense, I guess, against that. It's the defense and the weapon. The w- defense and the weapon. But I read that. It was like the dark crucible that hatched. Him. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. So, yeah, she's a gynecologist. She's obviously very nervous. This is the first time she's arriving there. We have this... <laughs> scene that is all too real where he's asking her to put her feet in the stirrups and (laughs) i at first i was like this is unrealistic because if it was realistic he would be telling her to scooch forward and then two seconds later he like seven times is like scooch forward more 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 (laughs) (laughs) which is so funny and then of course there's this funny line where he tells her don't worry i don't bite obviously ironic and then it gets dark really fucked up really quick yeah He seems, you know, good at first, but then we see him take off one of his rubber gloves and then he says, I just want to test the elasticity of your vagina. And he shoves four fingers into her body um, from his ungloved hand. So really quickly, it gets really fucked up really fast. And 
Obviously, that is so painful. Four fingers, what the hell? She is very uncomfortable. She is like, stop, I'm uncomfortable. He doesn't. He's like, it's fine, just relax. It's fine, just relax. Says you're so tight. Like, you can tell that this is crossing a line. And it also is interesting because you can tell that he says this after she says that she's sexually inexperienced. So she's not mm going to know any different, Mm -hmm. presumably. So he's being really predatory, obviously, in this moment. Taking advantage of that. And of course, she gets upset. And like we have seen before, her vagina does what it does and bites off all four of his fingers. Yes. And he screams in the most ridiculous voice. It's true. The vagina. No. The vagina. The vagina. It's true. The vagina dentata is real. <laughs> As like his fingers are spurting blood on the floor. So she gets up, runs away. While she's running away, there's a bunch of cop cars that come up behind her. And she thinks that she's being oh, right. pursued for what she just did to this gynecologist. But instead, they drive right past her and she follows them because it's on the way to the lake. And she sees that scuba divers are bringing Toby's body to the surface. So Mm -hmm. it confirms that he did indeed die after the incident in the cave. So then we have a heartbreaking scene. John comes home. She's crying as she walks in the door. She's yelling for her mother and quickly sees her mother collapsed on the floor. As in the background, Brad is having sex again with Melanie with the door open. Yeah, and this is where you can tell that there is a blatant disregard for the mother from Brad, because obviously you could tell the mother had been laying there for a little while. He is too busy going to pound town. And the music is playing really, really loud. So perhaps there's this thought, well, if he wasn't listening to music so loud, he would have heard that something was wrong. So that's kind of the only thing there. Maybe he just didn't hear or realize. But that is quickly demystified when Dawn wakes up from a nap on her stepfather's lap, which I also found to be really like interesting positioning. Like the yeah. stepfather, stepdaughter. Like, yeah, I dynamic but he has been her like stand-in father since she was like three four or five but then why wasn't she asleep on his shoulder it it was the positioning that she was so close to his dick and she had to like jump back a little bit and be like yeah i mean again like the characterization of the stepfather is like he's been nothing but a good dude there is no uh, suggestion or incident of any type of abuse but you can tell at this point she is reacting like everybody's out to get her Mm -hmm. because she was asleep on his lap and immediately gets up and becomes a little disgusted for the first time she's realizing that like half the population around her has a dick yeah she's like wait (laughs) they're everywhere and i can chop them all off yeah so after she wakes up from nap time on her stepdad's lap she decides to go to Ryan Mullet Man mm-hmm. for comfort. Yeah. And she basically tells him all about her vagina. She's like, <laughs> yeah. She's like, this is what's going on. I have nobody I can talk to. Her mother is alive at this point in the hospital. Like barely. Yeah, barely. So she's telling him about what's going on. He's listening to her. It seems like he's taking it in. He ends up drawing her a bath. And that's where we get that scene with her sitting in the bath up to her chin. I love this moment. He says, these are some nerve pills my mom takes. She like sticks her hand out of the water. He gives her the pills and she takes them. But then we kind of like quickly realize that I don't know if those pills were nerve pills. They're not. Because she starts acting a little bit too relaxed, I guess. And maybe perhaps that's what nerve 
maybe depending on the dosage or what kind of medication it is, I don't know. But she starts acting a little bit looser, a little bit more comfortable. Like she's clearly not as upset as she was. And I don't think it was the bubble bath that did all that magic. Yeah, I actually did read something with the director saying that he regretted the choice of him giving her medication because it wasn't supposed to come across as rapey, Uh even though it does. Like he really was meant to be this like, hero archetype because while she's spouting at the mouth about her vagina she's talking about the only way for her to overcome the vagina dentata is for a hero to come and conquer it yes and so he has it in his mind that he has to be this hero type obviously from what we know you know this was made in 2007 2008 it's 2021 we know that like the connotation between you know any type of pill and date rape is Mm -hmm. is very high But from what I understand, the director really was trying to make Ryan as accommodating as possible Mm. and not as date rapey as possible. A 2021 viewing, it absolutely comes off like she's about to get taken advantage of for like the third time in 48 hours. I mean, her disposition says otherwise. She, you know, despite the pills, despite the implications, she does seem very confident. And they do end up having sex and she is very much enjoying herself. She's like, you're my hero. He's like, I'm your hero. <laughs> There's all of this like back and forth dialogue. It's it's very funny. We can see that she's very much enjoying herself. And they finish and she didn't, she didn't, you know, no accidents. <laughs> yeah, she said, this is always how I dreamed it would be. Yeah, because he has candles lit. And he even says, do you want me to stop? And she says, no, but I'm afraid that they'll get you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's just the like, oh. he's like, okay, crazy. And, yeah. and keeps going. But this is where I wrote down like three archetypes of like pervy dudes that like take advantage of gals. Like the first one is like this faux righteous person with a dark underbelly. So Mm. whether it be not necessarily it's a religious connotation, but in this case that it was, but this like morally upstanding gentleman that has this like really insidious dark side a doctor or a professional. So, I mean, you could say that's a teacher. Someone in the position of power. Somebody in a position of power, somebody who has a level of expertise, a religious figure even, like like something to that degree. And then this third hero archetype, like the I'm conquering, where he's checking off all these boxes that you mentioned earlier, where he's getting the flowers and opening the door and lighting the candles and trying to do all the right things because it's a means to an end. Mm -hmm. Even that is inherently wrong. You know, she is literally telling him my vagina has teeth. I (laughs) killed Toby Cobb. And he really does not seem to bat an eye at that. I would bat a lot of eyes at that. All of my eyes would be batted. So he doesn't really seem to take her seriously. And I think that that's another thing too. Like the idea in that archetype, like that he still knows best despite everything that she is telling him. Spliced in between the sex scene, there's a really weird scene where they are doing a autopsy on Toby and they find the tooth. Yeah, it is. It looks like a shark tooth. And the doctors confirm that it is a a human. A shark human hybrid. Yes. And this is where I need to get into like (sighs) the shape of water territory. Where I'm like, who fucked a shark? Like, like no, obviously, that's not what this is. No, but, but yeah. w- like, in my mind, I go right to sci-fi. So I'm like, shark-human hybrid. Where the fuck is this the nuclear powder? But why is there a shark now? There's been no sharks I in this movie. I don't know if they said shark-human just because of the shape of it. The shape was very shark-tooth. 
I don't know. I was thinking that there was Shark Boy somewhere about to bust in. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait, man. I was just like. Shark Boy and Lover Girl is the It took me out of it completely because I needed to know the lineage. I needed to know the biology. Well, what put me right back in it was the phrase penile stump. (laughs) 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 That is where they found the tooth. It was lodged into the penile stump. So yeah, so we're back. Sex was successful between Ryan and Dawn, as far as uh, we are shown. And right before she leaves, she kind of gives them these eyes. She would like to do the nasty again. And as they are having sex, he gets a phone call. He answers it. Automatically, she's a little bit peeved because it's like, what the fuck? Like, we're busy. She hears him talking on the phone to his friend like, yeah, she's here now. I know, dude. I told you like she's here. Yeah, we did it. Blah, blah, blah. He hangs up the phone and eventually ends up telling her, yeah, I made a bet that I could sleep with you. Yeah, he said, I had a hunch that that sacred vow you took wasn't all that sacred. And that... Oh, he also says, you're saying one thing, but your sweet pussy is saying something else. So gets, again, very disgusting, very quick, where what comes is very much Very disappointing. It's like, we were on your side, Ryan, and you fucked it up. You had a mullet. Yeah. There were red flags, of course. And so she just gets this look of displeasure across her face. And just like that, we hear that very familiar crunching sound and his dick is off. And here it's like the moment we see her. She has control over this now. Mm -hmm. Um, She just makes that decision and her body responds and she gets up and leaves. (laughs) And we just hear Ryan say, Mom! And then, of course, we have the next scene back in the hospital. We have the surgeons aiming to, you know, reattach this penis and they go, when it rains, it pours <laughs> because they had it previously. There was a previous scene where they were reattaching the gynecologist's fingers and now they're attaching this penis. When it, rains, it was it like pours. the funniest part of the movie. <laughs> oh, we were laughing so hard. <sighs> but anyway, back in it, Dawn calls the hospital. The nurses respond. They seem pretty morose. Next scene, she's in the hospital hugging her mom. And we know that her mom has passed away. Very sad. Yes. And this is where just prior to this, the dad storms home and tries to kick Brad out because I think he realizes or he realizes or at least blames Brad partially for the mother's death because he let her lay there. Yeah. And was, you know going to pound town while she was yelling for help because it's revealed that from Melanie that they heard her screaming while they were having sex, but Brad brushed it off and said, oh, she just does that all the time Mm -hmm. to annoy me, not realizing that it was a much more serious situation. But while Brad and the dad are fighting, he sicks his Rottweiler mother and almost has the dog kill him. And he admits, I hate you because you made her my sister and I loved her dad. really weird really weird so dawn of course finds out about brad's Brad's, yes she was there when melanie told her of that truth that they had heard the mother and brad told her to ignore this is when she begins preparing herself to take her revenge and i did not see this coming oh i completely did i because the whole time I knew going into this movie that there was going to be rape and that Dawn was going to be taken advantage of. And because of the way 
that Brad has been characterized the whole time. I was just waiting for him to take advantage of her. And of course, all of those moments like when he was sort of spying on her from the shower while she was getting ready for bed and all of those gross things he said to her. I never expected to use her own sexuality as a weapon against Brad. So when I realized that that was happening, I was freaking out. Yeah, she's wearing a white dress. She walks into his room, takes his cigarette out of his mouth and smokes it herself. And this is for the first time that we see Brad looking nervous. We've never yeah. seen him look out of his element. But she straddles him and he's like, why now? And she's like, well, are you afraid? And he's like, well, this is a little too fucking weird. And he tries to flip her over like mm -hmm. doggy style like he'd been doing with Melanie. But she doesn't let him and kind of invites him to, you know, have sex with her missionary style. As they're having sex, I forget what exactly the dialogue is, but something is happening. You Like, based on the dialogue that they're having, you can kind of see it looks like he's having a moment of realization, like, almost as he's recalling that day in the pool. Like, based on her facial expression and based on his memory that I'm sure that he was never quite able to understand his whole life, you can see, like, as they are having sex, like, he realizes that he's in trouble. And right as that realization occurs is when she kind of unleashes herself on him. <laughs> and bites off his penis she like dismounts and as she stands up the tip of the penis just plops out of her very comedically with a prince albert piercing <laughs> yes brad calls mother to try to attack dawn but instead mother eats the tip of his penis and spits the piercing out again very comedically and dawn gets on her bike and starts biking away away from her house away from stepdad who did not die in the mother encounter i don't know where he is at this point but he's not in the picture anymore she gets a flat tire and she decides to hitchhike, and she is picked up by a very tongue-waggling old man. We don't know that who he is until he parks in front of, like, a convenience shop, I guess, wakes her up. She had fallen asleep in the car, and the movie ends with the sense that, you know, Dawn has realized she has this power when she harnesses her sexuality, and she can use that to protect herself should she, I guess, ever find herself in these situations, which she has found herself in many. And continues to, he won't let her leave the car, and she gets a knowing smirk on her face, and that is how the movie ends. Yes. So, what did you think? Again, I think the comedic elements really threw me for a loop, but in a really good way. I don't know why in my head I equated this to, like, a Raw, like the movie Raw, which I also want us to review. I'm not familiar. I remember hearing that title before you have mentioned it. I think it's French. It's a foreign film, but I believe it's French. And it's about a girl who was raised vegan and goes to vet school because of a love for animals. And then she ends up tasting meat for the first time and oh. ends up like overindulging and becoming a cannibal. Oh my God. Like I was expecting the visceralness of mm -hmm. Raw. Like if you've never watched Raw, it's really hard to watch at some points because <sighs> you're seeing a lot. And I was expecting that level of gore and almost that level of violence. But I was really impressed and I, I'm glad that this is what it is. I think I had said to you, this feels like the lighter version of It Follows. Yes. Yes. Where instead- With a happier ending. Much happier ending. Because of the way that you see her feeling about herself at the end of the movie. Like, obviously, <laughs> there are not many stand-up guys in this movie, and she kind of has to navigate her way through encountering many of them. But the confidence that she clearly has at the end with that smirk, you know, leaves you with, with a good feeling. 
And I know you loved it. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I, I thought that in a lot of ways it was it was lighter than I thought it was going to be, which I appreciated. I liked that it played on a lot of stereotypes, which aided in its comedic elements. I liked the, you know, 2000s feel of it. It's a little bit nostalgic in that way. I thought the actors did a good job in their roles. I just really enjoyed it. Also, I didn't expect her to harness this energy at the end and come out not as a monster, but as a woman, which I thought was really kind of neat. I looked up some vagina dentata stuff. Yeah, yeah. Tell me more. Okay, so I got this from an article titled Pussy Bites Back, Vagina Dentata Myths from Around the World by Sezen Kohler. And Kohler writes basically kind of in an introduction. So stories of the mythical vagina dentata, Latin for toothed vagina, exist in virtually every culture. While many of these tales are cautionary for men to beware where they put their dicks lest they lose them. Other and far more disturbing versions involve non-consensual penetration of women in order to remove said teeth. Men's fears of castration, compounded by an inherited cultural belief of sexual entitlement, function as foundational pillars of masculinity, and patriarchies respond by attempting to control women's, quote, dangerous sexualities and bodies. Respective wars on women around the world are deeply rooted in the persistent myth of the tooth vagina and what it represents. There were a bunch of examples in the article, but I pulled some notable examples to me. So the first is Austria. So the term vagina dentata was first coined around 1900 by misogynist psychoanalyst Sigmund Freud to describe the idea of devouring or being devoured manifesting as the equation of the mouth and the vagina. But that idea can be found in the annals of history before Freud. His term would be co-opted decades later by feminist Freudian revisionists to indicate the acute castration anxiety and generalized fear of women that has become the cornerstone of phallocentric human culture. So here we have another one, India. This is, quote, There are so many stories of men vanquishing vagina dentate in India that the Washington Post theorized these tales as one of the roots of the country's rape epidemic. In the Indian state, Madhya Pradesh, one of the most popular tales involves a Brahmin who is convinced his love interest is a possessor of a toothed vagina. He hires four men of lower castes to kidnap and remove the woman's nether teeth <laughs> after their work defanging and veritably taming the woman through trauma is done. The Brahmin marries her. So according to this article in the Washington Post, these stories seem to be very impactful on people and the way people think and regard women. South Africa is very similar to India, and actually South African Sunet Ellers invented the Rapex, which is the anti-rape condom, which is replete with rows of teeth. Yeah, I did read about that. Uh -huh. I, I read about how they should have been marketing this alongside the movie where it won't chop think, the dick off, but it will, yeah. it will leave cuts on the penis. I think this invention might have come after. Maybe. I'm not sure, but... Very interesting. Love kind of taking that mythological idea and making it real. It was really interesting. Japan, a Shinto tale recounts how a demon hid teeth in a damsel's vagina. She unwittingly castrates two grooms on their wedding nights before taking matters into her own hands and fashioning a device to remove the fangs herself. This is one of the few stories from around the world where a woman takes control of her own body instead of being non-consensually penetrated by men seeking to remove offending dentate. 
The iron phallus she created is enshrined in Kawasaki, and many sex workers leave offerings and prayers there to protect them in their line of work. Oh, my God. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. Yeah, I like that one a lot. And then we have two left, America. So this is the one that we might have heard of before just because we are in America. So in the handbook of Native American mythology, the Ponca story, quote, teeth in the wrong places, tells the story of one of the trickster coyote's many sexual encounters. Coyote comes upon a woman and her two beautiful, dangerous daughters rumored to be man-eating all over the countryside with their toothed vaginas. After spending the day with the family, Coyote is invited to spend the night sleeping between the women's two daughters. After the younger daughter reveals that the woman is a witch who gave birth of the young woman vagina dentate, Coyote kills the older daughter when she attempts to bite him with her vagina. He then kills the witch and knocks out the younger daughter's vagina dentate, leaving just one blunt tooth Quote, that was very thrilling when making love. What the fuck? What the fuck? So basically, she has like a ribbed vagina in one spot for his pleasure. <laughs> like, I know that knocks out means like you took it out, but knocks out makes me think that he knocked unconscious a toothed monster in her vagina. Oh, like, it does kind it, of read like, like it that. It reads like that, like mm-hmm. in a funny way. It's It's... That is very interesting. Also, I love how the American lore has the mention of a witch in it, because I know we've talked a lot about sort of American culture and witches. And then England, this is actually really interesting. This says, quote, before you leave thinking that toothed vaginas are all fictions, let me present the case of the dermoid cyst or cystic teratoma, which caused actual teeth to grow inside the uterus of a British woman. The specimen is now on display at the University College, London's pathology collection, and is exactly as frightening as you'd imagine. That's amazing. Yeah. So I guess there are certain cysts that when they grow, they have like remnants of hair or teeth Mm -hmm. or blood or sweat glands. And one was in a woman's uterus. So it really kind of is the closest example to medical vagina dentate that we have. And this is from the wiki page. This is the last bit I have. And this is just kind of metaphorical meaning of vagina dentata. And it reads, in her book, Sexual Personae, Camilla Paglia wrote, quote, the toothed vagina is no sexist hallucination. Every penis is made less in every vagina, just as mankind, male and female, is devoured by Mother Nature. Isn't that crazy? I'm confused. What is it saying? Like, I think it's saying like, every penis is made less in a vagina, like as in a vagina devours a penis. It makes it less oh but this name isn't this the feminist scholar that the guy talked about in black christmas camille paglia oh my god it is i think it is the one he quotes but doesn't represent her in the proper context absolutely yes yes you're right camille paglia oh my god it comes full circle look at all this shit I just thought that was really interesting because I always think of like um, penis versus vagina as like a penis is something that is inserted. Therefore, it has power. But this quote kind of flips that script as the vagina devours the penis. Yeah. Okay. I understand. And I think and just as and it connects it to this idea of mother nature, like man and woman is devoured by mother nature itself. Mm -hmm. The vagina devours the penis. It like has this power in that way, which I never really considered, but I thought was interesting. 
Well, the one thing that I found that I found was interesting, it came from a Vice article, which I don't have the name of right now, but I'll be sure to put it in the description. It quoted this author, Alexandra Heller Nicholas, who has a chapter on teeth in her book from 2010, Rape Revenge Films, A Critical Study, which seems like an awesome read. And she says, in terms of commenting about the film, she says, just because you're making a movie about the monstrous feminine doesn't give you a free pass into the feminist horror film canon. Teeth is a great concept for a film, but the final product feels less concerned about women and their bodies than it does about what women's bodies can do to men. Hmm. So she's talking about how the director and writer is a man. And the more I think about it, this movie really does feel more like a film about the fear of castration. Mm hmm for men than it is about women empowerment. Just because in her transformation, there are elements of her reclaiming her sexuality and reclaiming her power and all those things, which is why I think obviously like feminist circles like this movie, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem like she exists as a sexual being without that threat yet. You know what I mean? And especially being that (laughs) we watched it and there was one person with a penis with us when we watched it and he seemed much more frightened by this movie than we we thought it was hilarious and he looked like he was gonna vomit afterwards so to me knowing that this is coming from a movie with the male gaze even to the fact that he made the choice to give dawn the nerve pills and didn't Mm -hmm. see how that was going to come Mm. off on the other end. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, that's not to say there weren't women involved in the making of this film or there isn't anything to be proud of. But the more that I look at it from that perspective, it really does seem like a fear of losing your penis than it does about a woman coming to terms with her body. Like, it's not like she grows to love her teeth. She grows to love what her teeth can protect her from. Yes, what her teeth can do to men. Yes. Her sexual power We see her the most confident in the moments where she knows exactly what she can do to men, as opposed to what she can do for herself or how she feels about herself in her body. It's always connected to that other person. And it's always inflicting harm. It's always her reversing the situation Mm -hmm. or... That's a good point. Inflicting that level of discomfort, that level of trauma, that level of violence onto men instead of onto her, which, I mean, if it's a rape revenge movie, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it's allowed. And that's not to say that that feeling or that storyline can't be inspiring or can't be amazing and kick-ass because it's absolutely fucking awesome, Mm -hmm. obviously. But in terms of regarding it as this hot feminist take i agree with alexandra here in Mm -hmm. the sense that it's more concerned about the visceralness of what she leaves in her wake more Mm -hmm. so than how she overcomes what she goes through i would like to see this concept explored in more movies everything was very extreme you know the stepbrother's characterization the parents situation like the mother's death like Dawn's original, you know, staunch beliefs, like everything was very extreme and stereotyped, which is why I think her sort of sexual growth didn't really seem to bother me too much because it fit into this realm of extremes that this movie sets up. But I would like to see 
a concept like this explored in another film with more nuance and a lot more attention to detail and, and to really focus on the woman's experience in her own body. Because I do agree, especially after this quote, we really don't see too much of that from Dawn's perspective beyond, you know, what she is feeling when she is knowing that she can defend herself or inflict pain on other men. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, like, I'm holding It Follows up against this, right? But yeah, it, it Follows is so good. But It Follows is looking at a different side of trauma. It's mm-hmm. looking at when you need to sit in it and what it feels mm-hmm. like when you sit in it and, you know, this anxiety and, and what the days, weeks, months after looks like where this kind of gives her the weapon back and gives her the empowerment in that level of vengeance that perhaps, you know, survivors want as well. So mm-hmm. it absolutely has a place. It's just in terms of... Of, I think you're right. I think more people need to push the envelope of what vengeance can look like. Mm-hmm. And maybe to the fact that it was a comedy took away from that power mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I am looking forward to seeing more about it. I actually think that movie Promising Young Woman oh. that came out semi-recently does address this a little bit. Not so much in the vagina dentata <laughs> situation, yes. but in, in terms of what vengeance looks like. Uh-huh. I've heard mixed things about that but more things like that right and especially because tales like this are centuries centuries old so they're going to keep being told and it's sort of exciting to imagine you know what the next renditions are going to look like you know what i'm waiting for what (laughs) i'm waiting for a horror movie about the blue waffle (laughs) like i'm waiting for that internet urban legend to surface out like the fucking slender man did every middle schooler's worst nightmare in the early 2000s yeah or like <laughs> two girls one cup like that's the kind of shit that i'm waiting for i feel like for so many people that was like the first time anybody ever saw a picture of like genitalia was Probably. googling like your friend being like have you seen blue waffle yeah why don't you just google it <laughs> it ruin your life that doesn't even exist I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I don't remember. But the fact that it's in the subconscious of like yes. everybody our age means that it needs to come to the surface at some point in I'm some sure horrible movie. Wow. Well, on that note. This was good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this. This is another one of those movies that wasn't what I expected. Another one of those talks that I feel like I learned a lot from. And I feel good. Who knows what's next? It will be a surprise for us all. Yes. But either way, we appreciate all your patience as we, you know record and and do all the things that we need to do and get back to normal but if you have any suggestions for any fall time covers or episodes or you have thoughts about teeth or any other bone in the body you can (laughs) email us at the horrors podcast at gmail.com or you can follow us on instagram and dm us there and get updates also about the podcast at the horrors podcast All right. Until next time, we're the horrors. Bye. Bye. Bye.